It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast. We, for the first time this year, are talking with Richard Skinner after a Bengals victory. Uh, what was it, 22-6 to over the New York Jets on Sunday. The offense didn't look amazing. They did enough to win. Andy Dalton's return. The defense looked really good. Special teams, it, it was about, it, obviously it was the most complete win because it was the only win, but it was a, a, as close to a complete game as they've played outside of the fact that, yeah, they did win. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a lot of yards, 273 right. or whatever, but, I mean, two for three in the red zone scoring touchdowns. They would have been three for three if, if C.J. Uzama doesn't, uh, doesn't drop a pass um, it, it, that was wide open. And I think the, the, the key word is efficient, and um, they were efficient offensively. And, uh, you know, until you get all your weapons back, I'm not sure this offense has the potential to be dynamic. And we'll talk about getting one of those weapons back this week and maybe down the road getting the main weapon back. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't expect this offense to be dynamic. But if it plays that way with the way the defense is playing now, that's the thing to me that's done the complete 180 that's amazing because it's really been done without – a huge change in personnel other than a rookie linebacker who's still looking lost at times going in for a veteran. Um, you know, if, if they can get that down the stretch, I think that it'll, it'll at least be interesting to watch the last four games. Well, and this is a defense that was trending once again. Um, Epically bad. To, you know, levels of, of giving up yards on the ground and, and, and through the air and total yards, really, that, that was um, only matched by what they did a season ago and not by many other teams in NFL history. So, and we had mentioned that this was now Terrell Austin, Marvin Lewis. This is kind of the third guy with these guys. What's clicked? It's a great question. I, I think a lot of it does start up front. Um, you know, uh, Carlos Dunlap, when he wants to play, and let's face it, he's had his motor question before, and sometimes that motor doesn't always run, but the last three weeks he has played up to a level of, of why they extended him. You know, the Oakland game, he only had a half a sack, but he was disruptive. The, the Pittsburgh game, I mean, he, he, had a, he had a sack, but he had a couple tackles for loss, a pass defended, tipped the pass that Sean Williams intercepted, um, you know, made a couple of times. He made, uh, he made duck throw from a sidearm angle because he was right in his face with, with big arms, long arms. And then this past week, you know, three, three sack performance got him AFC Defensive Player of the Week. And, and I do, I think it all starts there. Um, stop, helping stop the run, then putting pressure on, and, and it masks what you still have deficiency-wise at linebacker. Look, if your front guys are, are not only disrupting but making tackles and not just occupying blockers, you're not going to worry about getting the line, back to the linebackers. I think getting Darquez Denard back has helped too. I think he's a really good defender in the run game. I think he's a really quality uh, nickel corner. Um, honestly, I'd put him up there among the best in the league as, as a nickel corner guy. And, and uh, tough, hard nose, likes to come down and tackle. And let's face it, when you had William Jackson, Drake, or Patrick on the field, and even B.W. Webb, B.W. tries to tackle. He's just not a big guy. I mean, you kind of got three corners that aren't really physical. Darquez is physical, so you've added a physical corner in there too. So um, and he, I think he's found some things blitz package-wise that, that have worked. You saw him start the game back with that five defensive line look and made you gasp for a minute because I think Carlos dropped into coverage and Sam Hubbard dropped into coverage on the same play, and it wasn't just – dropping out into the flat. They were dropping eight, nine, ten yards down the field. But I think he's trying to mix and match some things to show different looks, and he's, he's found something that's clicked. Certainly doesn't hurt that they're no longer playing the Ravens no, and right. the 49ers. No, that's, that's and, right. And they've yeah, got no, no Duck Hodges yeah, and, right. and, and Sam Darnold on the road. But, but there is something to be said for, for what this defense has done. Um, most satisfying week of Andy Dalton's career, top five? Gotta be. I, it's, I can't even – it's got to be – 
easily top two probably. Um, you know, maybe the first time he took a team to the playoffs uh, his rookie year. It was a good feeling. I mean, obviously, it's taken us a while to get that first win and um, just kind of everything that I've gone through. It was just a, it was a good moment. It's got to be because, look, no one wants to be told they can't play, right? I mean, whatever level we all got cut at, it, it always hurt. You, you knew deep down you probably weren't good enough to go to the next right. level and play, but it still hurts. And especially at this level where you, where you have done it before at a high level and you have had success. And that's and you all have you've won known. That's all yeah. you've known, right. Um, to suddenly lose that job um, hurt. And um, I think he approached it the right way. I, I think there was, and he admitted to being, you know, we talked about this last week, admitted being bitter um, initially. And the reaction in his initial press con- or his, his initial press appearance, you know, certainly reflected that, um, that, that bitterness. So I, I get that. But, you know, I think over the couple weeks that followed, he kind of, you know, settled into, okay, I'll be the best scout team quarterback I can be. And he was throwing to John Ross, so it wasn't like he didn't have some weapons to play with. And I'm sure in some of those practices, he was competing his tail off the show. Guys, put me back in there. You're, you're, you're being silly. And then uh, and, and this past week, to get back in there and to be vindicated is, is I think, pretty, pretty special for him. You mentioned John Ross. He returns this week. He's back on the active roster. He really got a lot of reps, uh, what was it, two weeks ago because um, – you know, Stanley had an illness. Uh, Auden Tate was going through concussion protocol. We were really down at receivers, and so uh, John took all of those reps. So he's he's gotten plenty, and, and he's roaring and ready to get back at it. We, we feel like we've seen a good sample size of John early in the year when he was healthy, what he can do, what he's capable of, and, and the things that you can ask him to do to really help our team. Um, so it's th- there's no easy answer to that, but you just – We've seen what he looks like when he's healthy, and so we're excited to get him back out there. How much he will play against the Browns, we don't know if he's going to be limited in terms of his snaps. Uh, we, we saw against Seattle what he can do, and really he put together a few games he did. at the beginning of the season before he got hurt where maybe it clicks for him, then he suffers the injury. What can we expect down the stretch from him? Uh, I think what you saw the first first part of the year, um, he he also had some drop moments, let's not forget. Right. But it felt like you're going to live with a drop if he's going to give you a big play. And it can't be every game. You can't go through 16 drops for 16 big plays. Or maybe maybe he can if he's going to make 16 touchdown plays. I'll, right. I'll take the 16 drops. But he did have some drop issues, but he also followed that up with some really big plays. And let's face it, how many, how many big plays has this offense hit since John Ross went down? I mean, the Tyler Boyd touchdown pass uh, in, in the Arizona game and, and Brandon Wilson right. on a kickoff return, that's not offensive related. Right. I mean, honestly, how many? Not, I mean, I not, can not think many. really the only other one that comes to mind, and it was just because it was last week, was the interference that yeah. got called yeah. on Tyler right. Boyd, but right. he didn't make the right. catch. Right, no, I mean, they just haven't been a lot of those big right. plays. And let's face it, in this league, you're not lining up and driving 75 yards for touchdowns very often, although the Ravens, I think, did it against the Bengals three straight series one game. <laughs> but you're really not. I mean, you've got to hit some home runs. I mean, you've got you to click for some big plays. And John gives you not only that capability, but then the ability to open it up for other people to hit those big plays. Suddenly there's maybe less guys in the box, and Joe Mixon hits a big run play. Um, you know, suddenly the, the middle of the field's open for a tight end to run down the middle and, and catch something for 25, 30 yards. For Tyler Boyd to catch something, you know, in that same area and then take it for even longer yardage. So it gives you that, that possibility to hit some big plays. More from Richard Skinner in a minute. We'll get his prediction on Bengals and Browns coming up on Sunday. But more now from Zach Taylor's press conference on Wednesday of this week. Carlos Dunlap was voted as the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, thanks in no small part to three sacks against the New York Jets. When asked about Dunlap's performance, Zach Taylor saying, give employee 9-6 the credit, but some others deserve it too. It was good. You know, he just he was able to finish off some of those plays and, and get to the quarterback. And, 
you know, like we said, not to take away credit from Carlos because he earned those, and that was awesome. The coverage on the back end leads to that as well. And so we had tighter coverage. Um, kind of as each week passes, those guys are, are doing a better job. And so it leads to a little bit, you know, whether it's half a second, a second more for those guys up front to be able to work against their man. Um, and I thought that, you know, these last couple of weeks, these pressure packages by Lou have done a good job getting some one-on-ones for some guys, and they win that one-on-one battle, and, and they go affect the quarterback. So the Bengals now have their first win. The question for Zach Taylor was, does this provide any validation for what he's been doing with this team all season long? We have a long ways to go for validation on all that stuff, but but it is a start. When we talk about the culture and how important that is, I think that's a sign of it. Is that everyone's everyone's playing for each other? That's something that we said in April. You know, you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for the guy next to you, and and once you get to that point, great things can happen. And we've seen it over the course of the season. Guys buying into that and and doing those. And again, it's just good to show up in the win column. But I do think it speaks to the culture that that's growing here. And that, that guys really love and respect the guys that are next to them and they're playing for each other. Now let's take a look at what you can expect on Bengals Nation this Saturday night at 1130 following the local 12 news. I was keeping it 100 with the guy who is back on the 53-man roster, wide receiver John Ross. And if you follow him on Twitter, you've noticed some name changes. On Twitter, you're, you're Watch J. Ross. Uh-huh. But you've been Zach Taylor's Taylor, mm-hmm. Andy Dalton's hairstylist. What's what, just inside jokes? Yeah, just inside <laughs> jokes. You know me. You know being having a little fun with the guys. Um, I'm not even sure Zach Zach actually seen it. Um, but you know every week I like to come up with something different, keep the guys give give the guys something to talk about, and you know just have fun with it. A versatile, versatile guy. More from John Ross on the show, including tips to be a good Fortnite player. All right, we're back with Richard Skinner. We're talking Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is probably a good time to get the Browns because they're without Miles Garrett because of the suspension. Um, Baker Mayfield is, you know, it's, it seems like a, a Steelers helmet is really undoing the season one way or the other for the Browns with Miles Garrett. And then uh, Mayfield uh, hit uh, Bud Dupree's helmet, and his hand is, is maybe a little messed up to say nothing of the fiasco <laughs> that turned into – what was Freddie Kitchens thinking wearing a shirt that said Pittsburgh started? Oh, it. yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. Th- this was a team, Sports Illustrated said, they're going to win the division. There was a lot of goodwill surrounding this team, despite the fact that they were under 500 a season ago. Everyone thought that the sky was the limit, and we're finding out that at the end of the day, the Browns are the Browns. Yeah. If I were to tell you between Duck Hodges, Andy Dalton, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, who has the worst passer rating among the four in the division, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Not yeah. by a lot. Andy's barely right. above him, but but it's Baker Mayfield. And Baker has a larger body of work than Duck Hodges, a larger body of work than Andy Dalton. Um, if you want to talk about just pure passer-wise. he got more wise, commercials, too. He does. I think pure passer-wise, I think you'd put him up ahead of Lamar Jackson just if you were just to rate him as passers. Sure. Right. I sure. mean, okay. So something's not clicking there. And it's either Baker just can't focus on the task at hand. It's either he's trying to please everybody by spreading the ball around or maybe it's Freddie Kitchen's schematics and play callings. Something obviously hasn't worked. I mean, honestly, if you were to tell any GM in this league, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this. Now, great, you got to have some offensive line. And their offensive line, as you know, has not been, been great Suspect. this year. Yes, correct. And they have to upgrade that in the offseason. But just from a sheer talent-wise, if I'm going to give you Baker Mayfield, I'm going to give you um, Nick Chubb, oh, and I'm going to give you Kareem Hunt back with no wear and tear after being out for eight games, and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and, and the tight end groups that they have. 
I'd sign me up for that group. Sign me up for that team. I'll, I'll take them over right now. I, I'll do it. Um, they, got, they got players. And so that's where it goes back to. The Freddie Kitchens hiring was obviously questioned at the time. It's gotten more questionable week to week. You know, it felt like Freddie had kind of snapped him out of a little bit when they were in the funk early in the year, and right. they started to win some games and find some things, and then all of a sudden you had the Pittsburgh fiasco. And, and they're the last team to beat the Ravens. Yeah, and they're the last team to beat the Ravens. You're right. Um, you know, it, so I, I don't think anybody questions the talent. Um, you know, losing Miles Garrett hurts a ton on the other side of the ball. It, it's a matter of why is this team 5-7, and seven? and you have to point to quarterback play has been not even close to what you hoped or expected. And the head coach, maybe he's in over his head a lot of bit. And it just seems to me that you, you look at some, you look at the way good NFL teams are constructed over a long period of time. You cannot have a rookie head coach, a second year starting quarterback, and for the past two off seasons, they've lost their best offensive lineman. Joe Thomas has retired, yeah, yeah. and they traded Kevin Zeitler. You're right. You can't just be good when you've got all of those factors. The NFL doesn't work that no, way. No, you're right. It doesn't. And maybe that's the, the lesson learned. I think we all got wowed by the fact of, wow, look, they just went and traded for Beckham. And, and ooh, they, they, they did the risky thing and signed Kareem Hunt. Two superb talents. And Olivier Vernon. On Olivier the Vernon, line. yeah. They I mean, yeah, some, they did a lot of things, moves, right? Yeah. They, they did a lot of things. Um, without really hurting I mean, the Jabril Peppers loss is not a big loss. I mean, so some of the moves they made – in that regard, didn't hurt. It felt like this team's not only went for it, they're, they're ready to go. But you had the rookie head coach, and the rookie head coach has been a bit of not a, just a, a question mark, but seems like a certified goof nut on top of it all. Um, it's just not a good look, and you just got to wonder, do, do they move on that quickly from Freddie Kitchens? It's been such a revolving door of head coaches there. But, I mean, if, if the Bengals go up there and beat them and then somehow beat them again here, um, or even split, and they wind up 7-9, and 6-10, and 10, I don't know if Freddie Freddy survives that. Yeah, I'm not sure he does. So, that being said, this Sunday in Cleveland, you can catch the game at 1 o'clock on Local 12. What say you, Richard Skinner? Well, I had him beating the Jets last week, as you remember. That's I had, right. I had, I had Randy Bullock at the gun. It was a little more comfortable than <laughs> Randy Bullock at the gun. Um, I, I think they go up there and win. I, I think Cleveland Cleveland's last shot was fired in, in Pittsburgh because they were still in the playoff race. They still technically are, but as you know, I mean, there's all, so many teams yeah. in that jumbled mess of 6-6, six 7-5. and six, seven and five. Five and seven, then it's going to take you know a shaking of the crystal ball and and magic. Now, to, to, for them, I'd look and go, we, hey, we got the Bengals twice, so that gets us to seven, and then you know we're only looking at two more wins. We can still fight for this, but it feels like the last bullet was fired in in Pittsburgh, and, and now the chamber's in, empty, and there's not a lot to play for, and you're going to probably still look down at the Bengals, and just the way they've played all year. It's not like the light, but it's not like it's it's an inconsistent thing, right? It's not like one week they're great. And the next week, they're, uh, it's pretty much been a flat-lined offense all year. The defense has kind of bailed them out at times. I just, I, I think the Bengals, I, I think they're playing for, for something, whatever that something might be. And you get John Ross back, um, and you're fairly healthy going into this game other than A.J. Green. And I, I, I think they go up there and win. I'll, I'll go Bengals 20, I'll go 22 again since that seems to be the magic number. 22 to 19. Randy Bullock at the gun. It's going to happen sometime. <laughs> the other thing about the Browns is it seems like their first drive of every game is a touchdown. Yeah, no, right. And then, you, know, you look up because <laughs> when I'm covering games on Sunday, I, I have ESPN's uh, box right. score up so I can keep track of stats right. for the Bengals. And they have the scores at the top. And every time I look up, I go, yeah, Browns off to a good start. And then you look a uh, quarter and a half later, it's 10. And then you look midway through the third quarter, and it's 13. And then it feels like it's stuck on 13, and every game feels like a 13-point a game for them. And it shouldn't yeah. be. they got too many dudes on offense. Yeah. Okay. So Bengals going for two in a row. 
You can catch all of Richard, Skinner co Richard Skinner's coverage on Local12.com. And again, the Browns and Bengals on Local12 Sunday.